0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 92. Today I will be talking about the murder of Brittany Elridge. My sources for today's episode are Dateline, Season 26, Episode 26, titled Deadly Circumstances, Chillingcrimes.com, Knoxnews.com, and WBIR.com. As usual, all of my sources will be linked in today's show notes. Okay, we are. Okay, ma'am. I just knew that she was gone. She was a bright young mom-to-be. She was beautiful, confident, strong. It was the smile that really got me. Moving on from a messy divorce, jumping into a new romance. No one could believe it when they found her. They're saying it was a homicide. Then police found something else. Revealing recordings. Everything changed, like, instantly. Brittany Elridge met Norman Eugene Clark when they started working at Vanderbilt Mortgage and Finance outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. Brittany was described as a tomboy but very girly all at the same time. She liked cheerleading and soccer, and Norman was described as a top athlete. He wanted to play in the NBA but studied sports medicine in college. Brittany and Norman worked as collectors at Vanderbilt Mortgage and Finance. They made sure people were keeping up on their house payments. Norman said Brittany was very good at her job and he listened to her train for his job. And that's when we started, you know, talking more and more about different things other than work. And what do you think she liked about you? Uh, I think she liked that I listened, um, that I actually cared about what she had to say. Norman was single, but Brittany was married when they began to see each other. Britney's husband, Terry, was a truck driver. Norman said Brittany was happy, but she wanted kids and Terry didn't. Terry also said she didn't see her husband a lot. She worked during the day and him at night. Norman said he and Brittany kept their relationship on the down low and never went out in public. In February 2011, Terry found out about the affair and Brittany moved out. Brittany was also pregnant with Norman's child. Britney's mom, Robin, said she was shocked when Brittany told her that the father was Norman, but she said she was happy and there to support her. Norman was surprised. Norman was also a father to another child from a previous relationship with a woman from Nashville. Norman said he became a better person from being a father. Brittany learned that she'd be having a boy and she picked out a name, Ezekiel or Zeke. On December 13, 2011, Brittany was two weeks away from her due date. Brittany was late for work, which wasn't like her. One of Brittany's co-workers was the only one who knew about Norman and confronted him at his desk when Brittany didn't show up. And I said, um, can you get in touch with Brittany's mom? So I called her and asked her if she had heard from Brittany. And she said she hadn't, so she'd go check on her. Robin went to Brittany's apartment to check on her. When Robin called Norman, she was very upset and crying. Brittany's apartment was unlocked. The whole place was a mess, so Robin called out to her. And Robin called 911 when she discovered Brittany. I've got an emergency. What is it? Um, my daughter. Um, her work just called me, and I came over to her apartment, and it looked like it's been trashed. I ran out of the apartment cause I'm scared. And the nine one one operator, she said, you know, go, go back in there and see if you can find her. Brittany's new flat screen TV was lying on the floor. Her purse was in disarray all over, with the contents spilled out. Robin also heard the sound of running water in the bathroom. Robin had walked into Brittany's bedroom and caught a glimpse of Brittany. She knew her daughter was gone. By the time Robin walked outside, the police had arrived. An officer was trying to console her. Brittany had been strangled and stabbed in the throat. Brittany was also found nude on the floor and slightly covered with lingerie. She was only 25 and her unborn son was also dead. Robin also notified Brittany's brother, Jeffrey, who was very close to Brittany. When I got back to my locker and I got my phone, I had like 40 missed calls or something. She said, somebody killed your sister. Did you immediately ask who did this? I never thought about it. The first theory was that Brittany had walked in on a robbery and was killed. There had been a series of burglaries in the area in the days before the murder. Brittany's mom and brother weren't considering one suspect over another, but just wanted to know why Brittany was killed. When Norman heard about Brittany's death, he left work and went to the scene. Norman said there was a police, there was police when he arrived and jumped out of his car near her apartment. He could be seen on police dash cam footage. Norman told the police that it was his baby in the apartment. He was thinking that his baby could still be saved. The police blocked Norman from entering the apartment and had him in a police car. He said he understood that the police wanted to ask him questions but didn't know why he was in the back of the car. Norman said he thought that he didn't have to get a lawyer because he was openly answering every question and was innocent. He was interviewed at the police station he was read his rights but didn't ask for a lawyer norman said he did have plans with britney on the night she died but went to a friend's house instead the police asked for a dna sample and to search his car norman agreed the police also drove norman to his house to collect the clothes he wore the night before he went back to the police station for another interview and was released after the second interview the day after his interview he attended a candlelight vigil for britney and the baby he said Britney's family welcomed him with open arms. The police also wanted to look into Terry, Britney's ex-husband. Brittany was 22 when they got married and 17 years younger than him. Brittany wanted a family and Terry was constantly out driving his truck. The marriage ended after the affair. The police took DNA sample from Terry, but it didn't match the samples from the crime scene, and he also had an airtight alibi. Brittany's family was afraid that her case was going to be forgotten two years past without any answers. But before I go any further into the case, I want to introduce a new sponsor, Manscaped. Support for the It's a Crime O'Clock Summer podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code CrimeOclock at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 14 million balls. I gave these products to my amazing husband because we both like a shaven and nice smelling area. The performance package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived and obsessed is an understatement. Inside this package, you'll find their lawn mower, 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold his goodies, or yours if you steal it. First off, the Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer is the future of grooming and, dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. Ladies, it's so good I'm thinking of getting one for myself. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawn Mower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 4000K LED spotlight, For a more precise shave, say goodbye to his hairy mess on the bathroom floor and sink. Yes, thank God. Their performance package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in his delicate nose holes. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner is the hygiene routine he needs for his balls. It's like your skincare routine, but for his goodies down there. Manscapes even threw in two free gifts with their performance package. The Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag bring his comfort in boxers to another level. It's time to take care of the men you love, so go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping. Yes, free shipping with code o'clock. One more time, that's... 20% off and free shipping with the code CRIMEACLOCK at manscaped.com Unlock his confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped Now back to the case The police had obtained re- recordings that Brittany herself had made. Her calls were recorded at work and Brittany talked a lot about her relationship with Norman, with her co-workers. Brittany said it all started the day she told Norman she was pregnant with his child He was emailing me like normal, and then, as soon as I told him, everything changed it, like instantly, yeah, I mean it's weird. It was clear that Brittany was either in love or had strong feelings for Norman, but he was seeing other women. Norman was heard talking to other women on his recorded calls. He said he was seeing about fifteen to twenty women while seeing Brittany. He wasn't looking for a relationship. And he also admitted to sleeping around with other co workers. Norman claimed his co workers accepted that he didn't want to be tied down because he was upfront and honest. Norman was living with his parents and was receiving calls from debt collectors at work. Three days before Brittany was killed, Norman was showing more interest in her and the baby. In a text message to Brittany, Norman wrote, Stay pregnant until I get back, promise. Brittany took it to mean that Norman wanted to be around her and the baby. In her diary, Brittany had written that she wanted to take Norman to court to get child support. Brittany's friend was talking to her on the phone the night before she died. Brittany was also texting Norman. Brittany told her friend that Norman wanted to meet her after work on Monday, but Andrea told her not to. Norman said he later blew Brittany off and didn't go to her apartment. Brittany's family was very suspicious of Norman. The prosecution presented their case to a grand jury two and a half years after Brittany's murder and on May 14, 2014, Norman was charged with the murders of Brittany and their unborn son, and he pled not guilty. In August 2015, Norman went on trial. The prosecution said Norman killed Brittany because he didn't want her to have the baby. Norman was painted as someone who was struggling financially, but not with women. Several of these women were called to testify. The prosecution said the baby was the target, not Brittany. On December 12, 2011, Britney left work at 8.05 p.m., The medical examiner estimated her time of death as early as 8.30 p.m. A cell phone expert testified that Norman's phone pinged off a tower near Brittany's apartment around 8.28 p.m. and 9.05 p.m. Norman's alibi was that he was at a friend's house. The friend Leanne said Norman had showed up around 10.30 p.m. Norman's defense said they had no evidence or eyewitnesses that Norman had killed Brittany and the baby. The defense said Leanne's testimony couldn't be proven since she said she was asleep when Norman arrived. The defense had their own cell phone expert who canceled out the other cell phone expert's testimony. The defense said the real killer was a burglar who was caught in the act. There had been 12 robberies in the area in the weeks leading up to Brittany's murder. Ten of the twelve involved flat-screen TVs. Four days before the murder, there was a robbery in that same complex. There were two unknown DNA samples on the lingerie that covered Britney's body. The sample didn't match Norman. The defense said to focus on the evidence, not on Norman's womanizing. Brittany's family had no doubt that the verdict would be the outcome they were looking for. The jury deliberated for six hours, but they couldn't reach a unanimous verdict. It was declared a mistrial. It was 11 to 1 for acquittal. Norman was released after his mistrial. The prosecution decided to try Norman again with the same prosecutor and same evidence. The same trial began in September, 2017, but Norman had a new defense attorney named Kit Rogers. The prosecutor, Leslie Nasos, was prosecuting the case again. Baby Zeke was born, Clark was gonna be exposed for exactly who he was. The birth of this baby threatened his way of life and that his solution to that problem was murder. Kit Rogers, the defense, was afraid that the jury wouldn't like Norman, and he addressed that in court. You can't convict somebody of murder because you don't like the fact that he has sex with multiple partners. They did not prove their case. These murders were personal strangulations, a personal type of killing. It is a killing that shows control and a desire to control the victim. The jury deliberated, and again, there was a lone holdout. The holdout didn't want to convict. The other jurors felt as if the holdout was thought he was better than everyone. It was another hung jury and Brittany's family was devastated. The prosecutors decided to dismiss the charges against Norman, but they believe Norman was the killer and have said they have no problems filing charges if they get any more evidence. Over six years, I haven't focused on anything else except for getting justice. There's no closing the book. Me and my sister grew up doing everything together. I mean, everything how do you say goodbye to something like that it just doesn't seem like there's enough evidence to convict norman but there's not really any other suspects either so i'm like 50 50 on it and i'd love to know what you think my book recommendation for this week is you know her by megan Jeanette. two hours before he vanished mark dixon stole a glass of wine that's what bartender sophie bram told the cops when they questioned her about the customer whose mutilated body was just found what she didn't tell them is that she's the one who killed him Officer Nora Martin is new to the Bel Air Police Department and trying very hard to learn the ropes from Detective Murphy while ignoring all the men in the department snapping about a diversity hire. When she meets Sophie, they build an uneasy camaraderie over shared frustrations. As winter slides into spring and bodies start piling up, Nora begins to suspect that something's not quite right with the unnerving bartender will she be able to convince Murph or will he keep laughing off the idea that the serial killer haunting their little town is a woman? This book gave me Chrono Minds vibes. A lot of people do seem shocked when a woman is either accused or convicted of committing a violent crime. This was no different and Sophie's an interesting but conniving character but it turns out that someone was on her tail the whole time. I give this book an 8 out of 10. I hope you all enjoyed today's case and book recommendation. Please subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, email me at itscrimeclocksomewhere@gmail.com, at gmail.com, buy me a coffee, and please leave me a five-star rating and review. I'll be back next week with an all-new case and book recommendation. One more shout-out and thank you to Manscaped, my new sponsor. And remember, it's Crime O'Clock Somewhere.